Welcome to the FPS podcast series. This is podcast number 12, CARES Act, Government Contract Financial Assistance and Risks. My name is Todd Hatherly, and I'm the Director of Programming for Federal Publication Seminars. We're a leader in federal government contract training and professional development for the past 60 years. And every year, Federal Publication Seminars trains thousands of businesses, federal agencies, individuals on the legal, regulatory, compliance, and accounting nuances found in the federal regulations through nationwide classroom, online, and in-house sessions. These podcasts are just really a small sampling of important content you as a contracting professional can expect from attending an FPS program, whether in person or online, live or on demand, you cannot find another source with the breadth and depth of experience, knowledge, and content anywhere. So please visit us at fedpubseminars.com for more information. Joining me today is Craig Stetson. He's a partner at Capital Edge Consulting. Craig, in podcast number 11, I talked with your colleague, Paul Bailey, about recovering of costs for contractors due to the pandemic and COVID-19. I understand today we're going to discuss a little more about the financial and compliance risks when contractors seek assistance under the CARES Act. So welcome, Craig, and uh, explain what that means to us. Well, thank you, Todd. So with the current situation, the last uh, three months, I think now, uh, you know, the government um, has given a lot of money away or loaned a lot of money. It's a combination of both. This perhaps, I think, is the largest you know, government subsidy f- to to deal with national emergencies um, ever. Along with that comes a lot of um, risk. Um, if you're the uh, the receiver, uh, the recipient of of these government funds, so today we just want to talk a little bit about some of the things to be aware of. If you are a company or a contractor, um, a contractor that deals you know with co- you know contracts with the federal government, Department of Defense, for example, or other agencies things to be aware of um, as you are accepting um, these subsidy funds. So, Paul, I, I, I understand mentioned uh, the other day that, yes, there are opportunities uh, to seek um, from the government recovery of increased cost. So it's very common today for contractors to incur costs that you know were not anticipated at the time of contract award, simply because of the situation that we are all in um, with COVID-19. So things are closed, you can't go to work, your employees can't show up, they can't go to the uh, the military bases, for example, or other facilities to perform their day-to-day activities, but you still need to keep them around, you need to keep people employed. So along with that comes you know, additional costs. So the government recognizes that. The government also knows that you know they need contractors out there to be able to continue to perform and provide the goods and services that they contracted for. So it's in both parties' best interest to do what they can to subsidize or to to assist along the way financially to help keep all these contractors um, a going concern, keep them in business. So Paul talked about you know opportunities to recover these increased costs. The government is somewhat um, motivated, you know, to 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 do that, which is one thing. I'm going to talk a little bit more today about just generally when you receive money, not necessarily monies um, for increased costs, but just monies in general under the CARES Act um, or related to it. Uh, along with that, it's going to come some 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 risk and some responsibility, some due diligence on on, the, on behalf of the uh, the contractor. Or the company. So, just high level. I mean, the CARES Act, uh, a couple billion or trillion dollars signed end of March 2020. There's various sections in there um, that address different different populations, if you will. Um, there's a couple of sections that deal with the aviation industry. There's a section that deals with um, defense contractors. 
that's the uh, defense industrial base. You know, the government recognizes that's critical uh, to maintain you know, the infrastructure and security for the U.S. So there needs to be ways to keep them going, to, to, to fund them. I mean, those are done through loans. Uh, there's Section 3610, which is fairly popular, fairly visible thing. Paul actually may have mentioned that. That's a way that um, contractors that, that have of existing contracts at the time of COVID-19, um, at the time of the CARES Act, can seek recovery for you know basically you know keeping their workforce there and in a in a ready state um, to be able to return to work once things return to normal. It's, it's idle time, standby time type thing. There's a mechanism there to recover those types of costs. And then there's the the PPP, the Paycheck Protection Program, hugely popular thing. You see a lot of that in the news. Um, that's, you know, uh, a loan initially that's provided to small businesses um, to, to pay their people. So I mean, a lot of these sections of the CARES Act deal with maintaining employment and paying people's employees salaries, okay, because that's the whole point of the thing. I mean, the, or one, of, one of the main outcomes is that because of the situation we're in, pe people cannot go to work. Um, so that's important. Um, to you know, to try to keep people employed. Um, so the government recognizes that and is doing what they can to assist companies with you know maintaining that labor force, being able to pay their employees week to week or month to month, um, et cetera. So with all that um, comes a lot of risk, and that comes in a couple of different forms. Uh, first, if you read the actual language, you know, you know the, the face of 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 a lot of these um, sections of the CARES Act publications documentation that has derived from that, it's generally kind of vague. You know, I've said it several times, you know, these types of things are written by, by lawyers and politicians, not necessarily by accountants and by people um, that have to implement it day to day. So there needs to be, you know, mechanisms or procedures, protocols as to how things are going to be implemented and how contractors are going to accumulate their cost and submit it and the government's going to review it and what they're going to pay and what they're not. So a lot of that is, is generally not addressed. It's silent. It's missing from the uh, the statutory language. So that creates risk, okay? Because what a company or a contractor may interpret things one way, the government likely or frequently interprets it differently. So that's a risk. It's just the implementation of the actual statutory language, um, undefined, ambiguous. Secondly, uh, given the dollars involved here, trillions of dollars, um, there will be a huge amount of government oversight, and that's going to come in various forms. There are special congressional committees that have been established. There are special inspector generals. They're called SIGERS. You know, there's one established, and this is it's established by Congress. It's written right into the CARES Act. Um, so there is a special inspector general for this situation. It's called the SIGPER, Special Inspector General for Pandemic Recovery. Their tenure, their duration is five years by statute. So the SIGERS are, are not new. There was one established you know, 15 years ago for uh, the reconstruction of Iraq. And then there was one for Afghanistan. And then there's one for uh, you know, Katrina. I mean, just other national disasters when the government is handing out the amount of money that they, they did and, and, and that they are, are now. There's gonna be a lot of oversight. The special inspector generals, I mean, their only job really is to look for fraud, uh, to be able to review how the agencies are handing out the money and report back to Congress. But it's really also to look for fraud, um, not just, you know, it, malfeasance on the agency or the government side, but 
are there, you know, the dubious contractors or companies out there that are not being honest or not following the rules? So they're going to be looking for that as well. And then there's just the whole list of day-to-day agencies that you deal with. There's, you know, just regular inspector generals. There's the Department of Justice, and that's perhaps not a day-to-day agency that you deal with or shouldn't be, but DOJ, um, you know, the, the DCAA or the DCMA, if, if, if Department of Defense is involved. So long list of government watchdogs created um, specifically for this purpose, um, and that will last a while, um, especially these, you know, the inspector generals. It goes on for several years. If you look back, as an example, you know, Katrina, there are still claims, you know, being resolved and, and, and dealt with there. And a lot of that also depends on the type of contracts awarded. You know, you may, a lot of the contracts here with COVID are going to be or anticipated to be commercial item. So with that comes a reduction in risk generally from the contractor point of view. But simply because it's a commercial item doesn't mean you're off the hook. Someone downstream, you know, three, four years from now could allege, you know, some kind of unreasonable pricing or price gouging. That happens. It has happened. So something to be aware of simply because I have a commercial contract um, doesn't necessarily mean that all my risk goes away. So right. huge oversight, false statements, false claims. That's a big deal. Not That's not just an accounting thing. When you're responding to you know, a government solicitation or a government direction, it's very important to, to make proper, truthful statements, representations, um, along with these various monies um, that are offered under the different sections of the CARES Act come representations. That means the, the receiver, the, the, the company or contractor applying for these funds, has to make a representation. I mean, one, for example, you know, one of these representations deals with credits. Okay, the government wants to avoid double dipping. So if you're receiving money, for example, under Section 3610, that's the section where your, your, your workforce is remaining idle, and you want to keep those workers around so that they can quickly resume work when appropriate, um, you're going to get paid for that. Okay, you're going to get paid, for example, $1,000 to keep you know, your workforce in a ready state. Well, a year from now, when you file your corporate tax return, you may receive a credit for that under the tax laws, a reduction in your tax liability of $100, let's say. So ultimately, you, you, there's $100 there that would have been double counted or you would have received twice. So the government's you know, looking to provoke ways to avoid that. So you make a representation at the time that you receive the funds that you will notify the government when you know that you have that $100 credit out there. So just maybe a simple example, the point is representations. You're making a legal representation to the government, which could have legal consequence if not done carefully. The risks are vague and undefined provisions, certainly plenty of government oversight and watchdogs and visibility, and then just all the responsibility that goes with that from a legal and financial reporting perspective. So it's a high vis, high visibility um, situation that you're in. And along with that, you know, you should be aware now potentially of what the risks risks are downstream. So how do we mitigate those risks? Well, start with an understanding of what the requirements are. All right. So if we're receiving monies under Section X of the CARES Act, we want to get the CARES Act and read it, understand really you know, what the requirements are. And those requirements are laid out from both the government side and the recipient's side. Communicate. That's huge at this point, because both sides, the government and the contractors at this point are really feeling their way through this. It's undefined. So it 
really makes sense to engage early with the government, have discussions, document the discussions as to how financially or accounting wise things are going to be addressed and you know how reimbursements are going to be administered and you know so on and so forth. Communicate early with the proper official, that's also important. Uh, communicate with the um, government official that actually has the authority to make decisions. So in the contracting world, you know that, that's the contracting officer. That is the government contracting officer, the person with the warrant that has the authority to make decisions. So you want to make sure that you're you're dealing with the correct person that that has the authority to bind the government and give proper direction to companies or to contractors. So early communication, document everything either through you know discussions, phone calls, emails, document all of that is what happens a lot. It is what happens today. You know, the government may not look at it for another two, three years from now from an audit perspective. And over those over that time, people disappear, they leave, they come and go, records get lost, you know, accounting systems change, all kinds of things happen. So you want to be able to prepare the adequate documentation today, stick it in the file somewhere so that you know three years from now it's ready to go. Um, that certainly would you know reduce, mitigate the risk of uh, a bad outcome, you know, down the road. You know, a lot of times what happens is in these high-speed emergency situations, the government just says, "Here, go. I'm going to give you a contract. Uh, it's a letter contract. I need you to get started, you know, this afternoon. We'll worry about all the contract terms, conditions, and the amounts, you know, the monies later. Okay, it's called a letter contract. Basically, just an authorization to proceed now, and we'll deal with all these annoying, you know, con contractual things later. A risky thing. Okay, it can be." To reduce that risk, have the communications now early on the front end, document it. Accounting and financial reporting, that's huge. A lot of um, a recurring requirement is to be able to adequately track your monies received. And there's actually, again, representations that need to be made to the government as to how those funds were used. So there needs to be an accounting system established that captures and you know money that comes in from these different sections of the CARES Act and where it goes. So just be able to follow the money from the point you receive it to the point it goes out the door. Um, this is important now. I mean, a, a good example is the PPP, the, uh, the Paycheck Protection Program. If you read that, it, that is you know, simply the government's way to fund small businesses to be able to make certain payments to their employees, you know, it, it, it's salaries and wages. So if you're a small business that receives a loan, which is subsequently forgiven, and you also happen to have some government contracts, well, now all of a sudden the government, and when I say the government here, this is, you know, DOD, for example, you have a DOD cost reimbursement contract, and you receive these funds under the PPP, now all of a sudden what was never really linked in the language itself, if you look at the language of the, of the Paycheck Protection Program, nowhere in there does it talk about, you know, offsetting costs incurred under your cost reimbursement contract um, by the amounts received. So now we have a conflation of, of, of two things that was, was never established uh, on the face of the um, of the document, if you look at the, the, you know, the statutory language. So it's things like that that are evolving, and actually DOD is in, in, in the process of establishing final guidance there. It's late. It was supposed to be out about three weeks ago. You know, how to deal with Section 3610, how to deal with monies received under the Paycheck Protection Program, and how it impacts certain contracts. So I mentioned earlier that really neither side has fully determined or identified how this is going to work, and that remains true. So it can be good from a certain standpoint as a contractor, gives you the ability to 
just kind of do it rather than seeking asking permission later do it now but just communicate on the front end and document um, to, to reduce that risk truthful representations we talked about that that's important you got to do that comply with the requirements kind of fundamental take direction from the proper official communication documentation you want to document everything and then lastly you want to monitor yourself okay if something's going wrong or you know you, you perhaps didn't disclose something or represent you represented something previously that you know may have been inaccurate you want to go to the government now and say you know because of our monitoring our, our great system of internal control that we have we realized we made a mistake um, and here we are you know we're here to, to, to fix this so that typically is is received much better by the government um, than just simply trying to ignore it or you know not disclose it you know thinking that it'll just get lost along the way usually better to disclose things you will receive credit um, if things do go bad badly down the road and you can be able to demonstrate hey I, you know I, I did my monitoring i've got my controls and one of those controls is to you know to detect when things go wrong and fix them and that's what i'm doing so therefore my system is is working so anyway, kind of a long-winded um, discussion here, but in, in high level. So there are a lot of risks driven simply by the amount of funds that are out there and the amount of funds that are being distributed by the government, and then a list of certain mitigation procedures. So yes, well, Craig, thank you. That's uh, extremely helpful. You know, this just adds another layer of documentation, things like that, that uh, that contractors need to do when they receive this funding. It makes total sense. Got to be ready for it and uh, be able to know what to do with it. Work it into their their routine, um, as it was a new a different uh, contract that you just awarded under normal circumstances. That is, so so yes. Thank you, Craig, for joining me today. Appreciate your insights. Should uh, anyone need to get a hold of you, Craig, how would they do so? Certainly, I am available, approachable. A um, couple of different ways, I guess. Email. That's c stetson c s t e t s o n at capital edge consulting all one long word capital c a p i t a l edge consulting dot com c stetson capital edge consulting dot com phone number four zero eight nine two one two one two eight and I'm on LinkedIn. Um, that's probably the, yeah, that's it, three ways. Yeah, you'll find Craig also on some of our webinars that we do uh, on occasion with, with Capital Edge. So, uh, you know, he's, he's uh, excellent. If you have any other topics you want us to cover in a podcast, please feel free to send me a note at Todd at FedPubSeminars.com. And really, thank you, Craig. And, and until next time, stay safe, keep your distance, and read the fog. All right, thank you. All right, we're done.